From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Joining us now is Israeli military spokesperson Doran Spielman. Doran, good to have you on the programme again. Can you please explain to us what's been happening in Israel overnight and this morning? Good morning. Um, the As the picture kind of becomes clear on our side, uh, Israel's really operating in two, two modes at the same time. The first is we're still trying to deal with this tragedy. Uh, as time goes on, the tragedy is becoming more and more clear. Uh, the venom of Hamas when they invaded Israel and their will to inflict physical play, uh, pain by just slaughtering our citizens inside Israel, inside these peaceful communities, and also the psychological warfare that they're trying to wage. Uh, we have lots of instances now where Hamas have taken phones from other people that they've captured, uh, hostages that they've taken back to Gaza and made phone calls to their families with screaming in the background. Uh, this is happening on a numerous basis right now, and it's really the evil of what was perpetrated against Israel is something that we're trying to just you know, trying to move forward on. And on the other hand, it's our military uh, preparations. We are uh, spread out along the southern border. Our main focus right now are, is securing the southern communities, uh, repairing the border fence. There are very constant attempts at incursions by Hamas terrorists into Israel. Uh, just yesterday, 18 of them were killed uh, throughout six incidents. You know, they're just coming in waves, uh, carrying whatever they have, their axes or automatic rifles and uh, trying to penetrate into Israeli territory. And so we're repairing the fence and holding them, uh, preventing them from entering Israel. At the same time, we are carrying out our air campaign in Gaza, focusing on their centers of terrorism, which are in the areas of Khan Yunus, Al-Faruq, Rimal, and Jabalia. Yesterday, we successfully targeted two senior members of Hamas, uh, their political bureau head, and also their minister of economy, uh, what we are really focusing on is trying to neutralize Hamas's ability to fund their operations and to acquire equipment and obviously, most importantly, to prevent them from putting into use to prevent the, the next massacre, God forbid, that they want to carry out on Israeli territory. Okay. How how large is now the amassment of troops in on that southern border with Gaza and what are you preparing for there? We have four divisions, uh, standing divisions on the southern border right now. We have uh, large amounts of ground troops uh, We have that have gathered on the border. Uh, we have tanks, artillery. We have command centers now on the southern border. Israel is mobilized in a way that it's never mobilized before, in the same way that you know, the attack against us was unprecedented. Our mobilization is unprecedented. We've got people volunteering. We're at 150% voluntary rates 
every man and woman that's available right now has volunteered for Israel. And the southern border, as you drive through, and you speak to the soldiers. These are mothers who've left, you know, children at home with the grandmas, fathers who've left their work, young children who are, you know, 20 years old who are soldiers. Uh, they're just serving in the same army with their mothers and fathers because they realize. If this that, is uh, as unprecedented as you describe this buildup of troops, is it preparing for anything other than a ground invasion? Look, the IDF right now, you have to understand, we were taken by surprise four days ago. The amount of casualties and carnage is something that's hard to imagine, and therefore we are preparing for every scenario. Uh, we are, you know, I cautiously say this, that we are in strong control of the southern border, but I can tell you that we will not be making, you know, the, the same mistake that we made four and a half days ago. We are, we realize our enemies will, we realize what they want to do, and therefore every option is on the table right now. Um, you know, it makes what a very difficult situation, as you can understand, because we have hostages inside Gaza, and there are also millions of Gazan people who are essentially captives of Hamas as well. Hamas isn't only, you know, massacring Israelis, they've kind of taken their own people as captives. So it's a very difficult situation that's going to take time, and we are preparing for a long-term war. This is a war, not an operation, and so therefore we are... Uh, we are mobilized in that fashion. What efforts, we discussed this when we spoke on Monday, but what efforts are you making to protect civilians in Gaza? Are you issuing warnings before airstrikes? First of all, I, I have to say that, uh, you know, I wish it's clear Hamas not only has no regard for Israeli civilians, they're trying to kill them. I, it would be nice if Hamas, who was acting on behalf, say they're acting on behalf of the Gazan people, we're doing something to protect their own civilians. Uh, they're doing the exact opposite. From us, our objectives are first and foremost to protect the Israeli population. You have orphans and parents with no longer children, and therefore military objectives here are the most important thing that we can do. Whenever we can notify civilians, we've sent, you know, we've sent SMSs, we've dropped certain leaflets, we've announced but how often, how often does that happen? I mean, the airstrikes have been happening constantly now for four days. How, of the airstrikes that have been carried out so far, how many of them are you issuing warnings beforehand? Well, as you can imagine, I think anyone can imagine, if this was the citizens of their country that had been slaughtered, the first thing that you'd be asking is, how do we, how do we neutralize the enemy who are continually trying to do this to us? It's clear, I'm sure both to you and to me, that Hamas is a savage army on the level of ISIS, and the most cynical way, like ISIS, they've embedded themselves amidst their civilian population. And, you know, I think the questions need to really be directed toward Hamas. Why are you killing innocent Israelis, and why are you putting the innocent residents of Gaza directly on top of your building? You know, this is the savageness of what's taking place here. It's hard to imagine, but that is actually what's taking place. Our You're job just- is, to, is to try to neutralize, to succeed in neutralizing their military infrastructure. But is that at any cost? Is this at... Hamas invaded Israel, uh, obviously, when you talk about cost, is there any cost on a mother or child that has been massacred inside of Israel? You know, I was in Kfar Aza yesterday, and I walked through Kfar Aza, and I see... You see youngsters that have been killed. You see baby carriages with blood dripping down the baby carriage. 
what is the cost of that? If you can tell me what the cost is of that, I'm willing to listen to it. But Hamas is massacring Israelis. Hamas is indirectly massacring their own people by putting them in the way of fire. You've been warning people to leave Gaza, but routes out of the territory are blocked. How can people leave if they're so warned to do so? Gaza is, as you know, has borders both with Egypt and with Israel. Uh, The Egyptian border is at times uh, open. What we've been saying to the residents of Gaza is to leave the areas that they are in when we give them warning. And that is different. It means moving a kilometer or two out of the way. It doesn't mean moving, you know, to a different country. But But you've just told us that you haven't been able to issue warnings in the case of all of the airstrikes that you have carried out. So are those people being given sufficient, in your eyes, warning to be able to avoid being hit by your military action? Well, I think that you can probably understand that when Hamas invaded Israel and planned this attack against, you know, thousands of innocent civilians, they knew that they were putting their own civilians that they claimed to be acting on behalf of in risk. They knew that Israel would be responding. They are also acting underneath schools and underneath buildings, and they're hiding. They're, they're cowardly. They killed innocent civilians. They ran back to Gaza, and they hide in tunnels while their families are sleeping above their heads. It's obvious that we need to take out those commanders because we can't let this happen. And so, therefore, the Gazan civilian population rests solely on the shoulders of Hamas. And I think that all these questions need to be directed towards them. Not only how did you massacre Israelis, how are you going for an indirect massacre of your own people on a daily basis? None of this is enough. There's nothing that, not enough has been done anywhere because human life is being lost, both Israelis and innocent Gazans. And the cause of the human life that's being lost is Hamas. Your defense minister has said that he's released all restraints on his troops. What does that mean in practice? I'm not aware of that statement, uh, but what I can tell you uh, in the IDF is that we have operational goals up till now. We've launched over the last number of years operations that were limited in scope. I think it's clear to anyone who's seen the carnage that took place in Israel. The one thing Hamas did for us is they pushed us into a corner and they said they made us understand that we have absolutely no choice but to, to defeat them. Are you pre- preparing for them. a long conflict in that case? No question. And we understand that it's going to be long because there are civilians there, both on both sides. And you do what you can to minimize civilian casualties. And one of the things you do is time. And over an extended period of time, this is a large-scale war. We've never, ever mobilized like this to this fashion. I will tell you that when we, on a number of the Hamas terrorists, we found with them enormous supplies that they were it was showing their intention to capture and hold our territory for an extended period of time. This was not a terrorist raid. This was the launch of a war against people who have no conscience, who are coming okay. not just to try to you know, eliminate the massacre of Israelis for three days, but to try to actually capture Israel. That is what the actual equipment shows. And so we are at war, and I assume, without knowing the specifics of what the defense minister said, that's what he said. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. 
alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.